Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Posnanski, uh, national columnist at NBC Sports. With me, as always, Michael Shore, executive producer, Parks and Recreation, and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Michael, welcome back. As always, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, I wouldn't think of having anybody else. <laughs> that's that's literally else, true. By the way, that's no one else will agree to do it. Probably. <laughs> you know how many people I've asked? I mean, and they just <laughs> no way. So. Um, we haven't done this in a while, but I think we, we still have the basic framework in, in place. Uh, we'll have our faux argument here in a second, and then we'll have a um, sort of a complicated draft uh, this time around. Um, yeah. But I have to, uh, even though this will only add to the time, I have to talk about the Kansas City Royals for at least one second, right? Sure, sure yeah. absolutely. All right, what, do you, what did you think? What, what, what was your reaction as a person who only really sees the Royals through my sad eyes. What 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 was your reaction to to the Royals' incredible run? I think it was like everybody else's reaction. It was incredibly fun to watch them make that run. I didn't think they really had any business <laughs> being where they were. Like they they couldn't. You know, they actually hit a lot better in the series than they had in the regular season Absolutely. And, and in the rest of the playoffs, even. Um, and it you know it did feel it at a time like. They were the, a team of destiny where they was just going to like they just got hot at the right time and their kind of crazy momentum carried them through. They were scoring so many runs on infield <laughs> hits. It was insane. I heard at one point they had 19 infield hits in the playoffs and the second highest team had like eight or something. <laughs> Like it was just it was nothing but was infield crazy. hits and and, you know, fielders choices. And, you know, if they could have scored a run with catcher's interference, they would have like. And and it did feel at a, a certain moment like, oh, this is just going to carry them all the way through. And obviously they got as close as you can get. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, got just ran into a, an insane pitching performance, one of the greatest postseason pitching performances ever, if not the greatest. And so they they have a lot to be proud of, obviously. I don't know if it's predictive at all. I'm not sure they're going to do anything next year. They could win 81 games next year and be right back in the middle of the pack because I think they got very, very lucky over the course of the season. But, you know, just as a baseball fan, it was incredibly enjoyable to watch that team make that run. Yeah, no, that's it's exactly how I feel, and I feel the same way about it being predictive. I mean, you know, they there was a long stretch of time during this season when they didn't look like a very good team at all. I mean, you know, they, they, they never looked like a great team until, until October began, but there were plenty of times they didn't even look like a good team. And yeah, it was, it was so much fun. It's, it's funny. Cause if it wasn't the Royals, I would be on some kind of rant about how ridiculous it is that the regular season doesn't matter at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and, and, the Dodgers and Nationals uh, and Angels, for that matter, getting knocked out right away. Which, which, by the way, we predicted. Uh, I yep. should say we we predicted that. Absolutely. Um, all of that happening at once was so fun for the for the you know baseball fan who loves the the surprise, the sports fan, the March Madness fan uh, that loves all oh, the upsets and underdogs and this, that, and the other. But for the why did we play 162 games so they could do this uh, is it, it, it makes no sense at all, but that's yeah. it. It was the Royals and it was, it was so fantastic. And, and they were really, they were one superhuman pitcher away from winning the world series, which is insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane. 
Hey, for that matter, for that matter, the A's getting knocked out by the Royals, you know, <laughs> being up whatever four Eight or five. Three, yeah, yeah. I mean, the A's were the best team in baseball for a large chunk of the season, and then they get to play one game and they lose <laughs> in a sort of like unfortunate way. I mean, they had amazing pitching and they were the best hitting team in the American League for for most of the year. And you really wonder if it had been a A's Giants series, for example, like did the A's win? I think the A's have a very good chance to win that series, even despite Bumgarner. And uh, you know, he obviously he was he was superhuman, but also a lot of the Royals' best hitters are left-handed, right. and there's a, you know, and then you go back even further. It's like if the A's don't trade Cespedes, if they, you know, it's like all of those little tiny things that that happen over the course of a season. I guess that's why you play the regular season, right? It's because you make a thousand decisions over the course of a season and then you see how they, you know, you, you basically get one, maybe just one roll of the dice in the postseason, and it's, uh, you know, you're left thinking what could have been. I don't know. It's very interesting. It was a very interesting year in baseball with uh, offense down the way it was and, and the way that the postseason played out. I think, I don't know if it was good or bad for the average fan, but I think for for like extreme fans of baseball, it was a great year. I thought there were so many great storylines from the season. It really was. I, I mean, and the postseason was tremendous fun, and it was a second guessing paradise, and it was all of those things that are that are really fun about individual baseball games and individual baseball series, and um, and you you play that. You play the postseason a hundred times, and this happens once, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's that's how it works. And and by the way, I should point out. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the Royals because of that that long stretch. The bottom line is, no team will ever be the team of destiny as long as the Giants are in the postseason. They <laughs> they they have that. Re- that's it. They are just team of destiny forever. Yeah. And I don't I, know how they do like, it either. For a while, it looked like the Cardinals were that team. Right. Like they would. There was that year they won like eighty five games or eighty six games. And won the World Series. Won the World Series, yeah. Like, but now the Giants have that mantle. They really do. It's like, you know, as sort of unfamous a team as the Royals were coming in, there's an argument to be made that the Giants were equally unfamous. Like, sure. they were, you know, they they had guys like Joe Panic starting and hitting second in their lineup and stuff. It's like they, you know. Except for a couple guys that the average fan would know, Buster Posey maybe and Panda, maybe, maybe Panda Shore, and and then maybe you would say like Tim Hudson or something. Right. They just had no. They their team was so unfamous, and that again, that's why for super fans it's great. I mean, the the best thing to me about the Royals run is that no one knew, and you you sent me a text about this during the series. Nobody knew who Lorenzo Cain was. Even <laughs> Royals fans didn't know who Lorenzo Cain was. And now baseball knows who he is. And and I think baseball fans, average fans, or maybe slightly better than average fans, know who Alex Gordon is. They know who Moustakis is and Hosmer. And some of those guys made names for themselves in ways that, that where they deserve to, where they had great runs and they made great plays. And and that team is it does have a lot of exciting players, and so I think that's overall a net positive. Yeah, I, I, it was it was a lot of fun, and and it was you wouldn't want it every year. You wouldn't want you know to you know the, the Giants had the fifth best record in the National League, and the Royals had the fourth best record in the American League, and you, you wouldn't want the, that to happen every year. But it was really fun this year, and it leads right into our faux argument because right. you mentioned Lorenzo Cain, who is such a fun player to watch. Lorenzo Cain hit third for the Royals this year. 
he he hit three home runs all year. Okay, <laughs> three. Eric uh, Eric Hosmer hit fourth for the Royals. He hit nine home runs all year. That's your three four hitter. Those are your three four hitters. And and uh, Hosmer, it was a little bit of a fluke because he did come on a little bit later, and he actually is kind of a power guy. Kane is not. I mean, Kane is not. Kane probably will not hit ten home runs in a season in his career. I mean, he might, but but I don't think unless he develops kind of Tory Hunter like, I don't think he will. This is offense at its lowest in 30, 40 years. Yeah. And so now the question, and I hear it all the time, is about the DH. And it's not one question. It used to be all right, what do you, what should the American League get rid of the DH? Now I, I hear it much more often as should the National League add the DH? Um, should there be two DHs? Should they just a whole lineup of DH? I mean, anything to get people to start scoring runs again. So our faux argument today, what to do about the DH. That, right. And I think it's a sort of a broad, it's not a, we're not coming in with one question, just a broad, what do we do about the DH? And, right. and, and you, you get to begin. Obviously, this is the exact argument that people are really invested in right now in the middle of November. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. During the Patriots game the other day, that's what all I heard them talking about. Yeah. Like, ah, Br- Brady, what it, no. What what do we do about the DH? Troy Aikman can't stop talking about <laughs> DH during his weekly NFL broadcast. LeBron is yeah. unimportant yeah. compared to the DH. You got to do the DH. Yeah. I I am a defender of the DH. Um I always have been. I don't know whether it's self-selecting because I grew up a Red Sox fan and a, thus an American League fan. But I you know, I didn't know the DH started the year before I was born. I don't know any different. Um, but I like it. I think it's fine. I think that the arguments against it amount to like, ah, strategy. (laughs) And I kind of feel like there's plenty of strategy in baseball and the kind of a little additional strategy you get from double switches and from pinch hitting and stuff like that. It it is fun. And I actually think it's, it's more fun in the postseason when you have a like a game seven where, you know, a pitcher is throwing okay and he's coming up second in the fifth inning and the team's down three to nothing or whatever. I think that is legitimately enjoyable to see how managers handle those situations. I don't think that that slight advantage in the strategy um, that you get outweighs the basic um, sort of interaction in baseball that you want to, to maximize, which is, pitcher against hitter Mm -hmm. and the hundreds and hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of times that a pitcher hits against a, a, another pitcher and the pitcher stinks at hitting and (laughs) strikes out or grounds out or whatever. Um, I don't think that makes up for it. I think it's much better that any, that on the, in the average inning you have a good pitcher against a good hitter. I think that's the thing that you want to have the most in baseball. And the few times that, you know, um, who was the, who was the, Korean uh, pitcher who got the who like hit a double off of oh, Randy yeah. Johnson. That yeah, <laughs> Daisu Kim is that who it was? Right, I can't remember. Right. Um, but anyway, the few times when something crazy like that happens don't nearly make up for um, the the hundreds and millions of times when they go down on three swings. So in general, especially with offense declining, I I'm a huge proponent of the DH, and I frankly think the National League should adopt the DH too. Okay, so you are for, you are saying, add the DH to the National League. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, well, um, I can't agree, you know, disagree with you because this is our faux argument. Um, I think you're right. I, here's, here's, 
here's what I think about the strategy line. I, I don't I don't agree with it. I, I do think that there are strategic advantages to having the pitcher hit and and basically it comes down to double switches and and I'll concede the double switch is uh, a complicated enough maneuver that Ned Yost had no idea what it was. <laughs> he had no earthly he it was it was like Sanskrit to him. Yeah. Uh, he had the one moment where he was supposed to double switch and he didn't and it was clear to him and and I say this with great affection. I, I I really I really started to 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 like Ned Yost as this thing went on because it was so comical how every single thing he did, people like me would just jump down his throat like yeah. like 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 he could have fixed the whole world basically. Yeah. Um, but that said, he had a double switch moment where it was very clear he needed a double switch and he didn't and. He, you know, there was there was the backlash and all that, and you could just see in his mind, he's like, "Next game, I'm double switching, and yeah. I don't, and I don't care what the." So he double switched in the worst possible scenario, where he ended up putting uh, a guy who who is no better hitter than a pitcher into the game, so that he could get a double switch in a situation that it made no sense, and it was yeah. it was. Utterly appalling. So I'm I'm granting that there's some complications there. That said, a lot of the times I think the DH makes it harder on a manager to make decisions in the sense of you leave a pitcher in now until you kind of feel like he can't do it anymore. I mean, there's no you don't take him out for for you know because he's going to hit the next inning or or whatever the case may be along those lines. You only take him out because. He's he's got his pitch count, or he's or he's uh, you know you're you're questioning whether or not he can go righty lefty or whatever, and that's strategy too. You know, I mean, I think there's a that's a that's very legitimate and difficult things for managers to do. I think a lot of times the fact the pitcher's coming up next inning bails out managers, and they they say, well, I, I got to take him out because he's his spot is coming up and all of that. The, the other thing is I don't like innings, and the National League has a lot of these. I don't like innings where you have almost no chance to score. And and basically any inning that starts with the 7, 8, or 9 hitter, the 9 hitter not as much, um, but the 7 and 8 hitter for sure, you're not scoring, probably, right? I mean, right. it's like the pitcher right. is going to come up in too important a spot. Um, and so you're like, oh, why even watch this inning? So I do I do like that. Here's Here is one issue I do have with the DH, though, and, and that is, why are DHs kind of terrible right now? <laughs> <laughs> when you look, I mean, that's your only job, and and I, I I more than willing to concede the argument that if you're if you're just hitting, you you don't get in the field, you don't get in the flow of the game, whatever these arguments are that people make. But if if it's just your one job is to hit the baseball, that's it, and. You literally can be, you don't even need to bring a glove. I mean, that's the Jim Tomey thing. You know, nobody even knew where his glove was. Why aren't there like fantastic DHs all throughout baseball? And- well, I think, I think it's because offense has generally been suppressed over the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the rules committee makes adjustments because, you know, the trend is significantly down. I, I kept tweeting about this all through October or September to October of, the number of teams that scored more than 700 runs, which is not that many runs, 
was incredibly low. Oh, no, yeah. no, no one scored 800 runs. You go back even 10 years to those 2003-2004 Red Sox-Yankees teams and the Cardinals of that era, the Edmonds, Pujols, Cardinals. Those, you know, they were, there were routinely multiple teams scoring far north of 800 runs. Sure. Some of them scored 900 runs. You know, team slugging percentages were like 450. I mean, it, the, everybody in the league was hitting like Buster Posey. It was every, the teams were a bunch of Buster Poseys. And now those guys are the extreme outliers. And, uh, you know, I, I think the DH offense is down because all offense yeah. is down. And that's why, for example, you know, there was a rumor that Giancarlo Stanton is about to get $300 million from the Marlins who have no money. And it's because a guy like Stanton or a guy like Mike Trout or Cruz or any of those guys who can actually hit the 40 home run mark in a season. That's the, I mean, that's what Theo Epstein's doing in, in Chicago. He wrote about this. It was like, he, he sees the extreme decline of power and he has decided that every single prospect that he drafts and every single Cuban player that he tries to sign international scouting, he's going to get a ton of right-handed power hitters and he's going to, I try to just, you know, do what no one else is going to be able to do in a couple of years, which is hit home runs. Yeah. No, so, I, I thought it was I, – when he said that, th- there have been a couple of eye-opening moments. I mean, everybody kind of senses, if you're a baseball fan, that offense is down. Uh, over the last two or three years this year, it was, it was very clearly down. But I, there have been a couple of moments. One of them was looking – you see a guy with a 318 on base percentage – and you go, oh, that's terrible, and that's league average now. I mean, that's yeah. that's league average. And then you, you I, when I talked to Theo, and Theo said it's all about hitting. It's like that is by far the most important, rarest commodity in, in baseball right now is the ability to hit a baseball. And, wow, I mean, think about these. You talk about 10 years ago. I mean, 2000 uh, Indians, 1999 Indians – Scored a thousand runs. Yeah, I mean, that's that's two teams now. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, it's 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 incredible. And look, a lot of it is is probably you know is the PEDs. A lot of it's the strike zone. A lot of it's uh, sort of a a shift, a cultural shift in how hitters hit and all of the strikeouts and all of that. But some of it is is probably pretty destructive to the game. And so you know, I I don't know. By the way, I. I, I don't know that bringing the DH to the National League is really a, uh, the answer. I don't know that that really is going to change anything. Uh, part of me likes the fact that they're both leagues have two different rules and all of that. Um, but I do think they're going to have to do something for offense. Yeah, in a weird way, baseball is is at a place now that football was at about 15 years ago yes. or whatever it was, where it was like, you know, they're in in fear of losing fan interest because every time the Steelers and Browns played a game, the final <laughs> score was seven to three, and you know they made a billion rule changes. They basically made it impossible to play defense. Right. You know you right. can't you can't breathe on a on a receiver coming over the middle, and as a result, you know scoring went way up and fan interest went way up, and the contracts with the networks keep getting bigger and bigger and. You know that I, I feel like you know it's part of the reason that that I, in my opinion, that they look the other way during the the main you know sort of PED era. It's because people really like home runs. They like scoring. They like big hits. They like high scoring games. And I think that there's gonna be you're gonna see some rule adjusting somehow in some direction 
um, over the next few years if the offense continues to trend down. I agree. I agree. And and you, you make a great point about football. It's true of every sport. I mean, basketball, yeah. remember when and everybody was just beating up each other and final scores were all 88-79 and, yeah. and they just stopped calling fouls. I mean, they just started saying play it out. and yeah. uh, Or they started actually, what they started doing was calling all of the knicky-knack fouls and started basically telling people don't even touch that guy. Right. And that's really <laughs> what they happened. I mean, it was almost the reverse of, of they've that. Done it, they've done it in cricket. There are rules, recent rule changes in cricket. <laughs> where they have to remove um, players from the field, I think. Like, I was just reading about this, where they, they're trying to increase scoring in cricket because it's just what people want to see. Like, I, you know, I, I think it's just human nature that, you know, they're the, the purest baseball fan loves the 2-1 to one complete game. They love the, the, the one nothing shutout. They love the, you know, the tension that comes from that. The average baseball fan, which is the difference between a kind of mildly successful attendance year or ratings year on TV and a hugely successful year, is is to get the average fans, people to tune sure, in sure. at the key moments, and 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 those people aren't don't see the beauty and majesty of the double switch as something that's more interesting than a home run. So I think you're gonna see I think you're gonna see rule changes. I'm also gonna add at this point that I totally forgot to start the stopwatch timer <laughs> on our faux argument until we were like four minutes in and we're already at 10 minutes. So yeah. Should, yeah. I'd, I'd say we, we, we definitely overshot, uh, <laughs> but I will, I will just finish it off by saying that's why the only perfect sport is rugby. I just want to just say that I watched, I watched uh, uh, the, the New Zealand uh, team absolutely annihilate uh, whatever that team was that America put out a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it was, you know, it was hard as an American, I guess. It was fantastic. It was just, I was watching that sport going, this sport is so awesome. When I, you I, watch the All Blacks, doesn't it seem like if they, that they could play American football against like the Cowboys in, with, with the Cowboys in full pads <laughs> and them not wearing anything and win easily? Those are the toughest dudes in the world. Those oh, guys. I'm telling you, when they do that thing, whatever that thing is called at the beginning, uh, what is it called? Yeah, yeah. the Haka. Yeah, the Haka. When they do that thing, honestly... If that ever happened in the NFL, Twitter would explode. That would like if all if just one team would come out there and just do that crazy thing, that would be so awesome. It'd be the best. It'd be the best. All right, we solved nothing, so we nope. can move on now to uh, to our draft, which is which is complicated, as I mentioned uh, yeah. earlier. Um, do you want to explain it, or should I explain it? Well, it's a little technical. It's gonna it's gonna be hard to follow, I think, for people. And yeah, I hope I hope that's not the case. I hope not. I mean, we we do have very smart listeners. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure we do. But um, I'll explain but it, it. I'll, I'll yeah, explain go ahead. it. Okay, go ahead. Uh, we're drafting fruit, um, and I believe I have the first pick. That's it, right. Because you had the first pick in the last draft, which was I, I'm not conceding that it was a beatdown. Um, as every person has told me for the last three months, yeah. um, I'm I'm just saying that you having the first pick was a was a big moment in. Well, I, in but the draft. to be fair, I don't think that if you had the, I mean, you it was it was best awards is what you're talking about, right? Best awards, yeah. And, and one of your five choices was the Lady Bing trophy, which which was my best choice. I'm not I'm not backing off of that. But you had the number one choice, and it was the Nobel Prize, and that was so clearly number one that uh, that hurt me. It hurt me, and it threw me off my game a little bit. Uh, there were a couple of awards that maybe I take back. Not the Lady Bing, though. You would still, <laughs> if you had to do it again, you would still choose Darko Milicic. 
second overall. What you're saying. <laughs> I'm just saying the Lady Bing trophy rules. That's all I'm all right. saying. All right. Uh, you choose first. I choose first. And I'm choosing to me, this is this is the reason I brought that up is in the same way that the Nobel Prize is the dominant number one choice uh, in awards, um, I think as often as I wanted to go against it, uh, I've got to go with the apple as as the number one fruit. Um, the apple's not my favorite fruit, but it is by far the most dominant of fruits. Uh, it is it is the fruit of original sin. I mean, that's that alone crushes it. And even though I I believe technically. It's not a, an apple that Adam, that Eve gave to Adam. I think it's called something else in the Bible, but it's such a dominant fruit. Everybody knows it was an apple. It was an apple, uh, Snow White, Apple, biggest company in the world, Apple, uh, Apple pie, Apple juice. It's, it, it's, 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 it's embarrassing even to try to explain the sheer and complete dominance of Apple. Um, so I know I'm not going to, it's just clearly number one is Apple. I, I, you can have it. I, I think it's. Oh over. my gosh! I'm not kidding. I <laughs> I think I look. I love a good apple is great. A lot of apples are really overrated. In my really? Opinion. Yes, I think a lot. Like if an apple is even a tiny bit mealy or soft, it, it, it not not like perfectly crisp. I I think it's essentially inedible. <laughs> and and granted, that goes for a lot of all fruit. Like, I all fruit are like that. Yes, I, that's true. But I think that Apple is a little flashy. It's a little bit like it's a little bit famous. I think it's kind of writing on its name. You can have the. I'm happy to give the, the Apple was. Let me tell you this: the Apple was not in my top five. That's You're telling five. me the yes. Apple, the Apple. Okay, yes. the most famous fruit is the Kim Kardashian of fruit. See, that's what thing. you're saying. That's what you're that you just hit it on the head. Famous. Yeah, it's, it's famous. Famous. It's not the best fruit. <laughs> it's the most famous. Fruit. We didn't say we were drafted best fruit. We said we're drafted fruit. All right. And well, fruit as, is clearly apple. As, as always, we don't even know the rules of our own draft. Yeah, that's accurate. All right. Take the apple. I don't care. I'm oh, not I okay. do not. I'm not written. This is that's like the apple is Johnny Manziel. You just drafted Johnny Manziel number one overall. My number one pick is the blueberry. The oh. blueberry is the best fruit. Blueberry you, was not in my top ten. Oh my god, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Blueberry's the best fruit. Now, granted, like all fruits, bad blueberries or even like subpar blueberries are, are disgusting. But <laughs> here's why blueberries are the best fruit. First of all, when they're good, they're the most delicious fruit. They're also like a superfood. They have so many things in them that are so healthy for you that it's like it's incredible that something tastes that good and is that good for you. <laughs> And also, when you're done eating a blueberry, there's nothing left. When you're done eating an apple, you have a disgusting <laughs> core that's turning brown. Like, you can watch it turn brown often. And then you have to, like, dispose of it. And if you bite into the core, it's awful. It's terrible. The blueberry is a perfectly sized object to pick up and toss into your mouth. It tastes great. It's incredibly healthy. Easy, far and away, number one fruit. Okay. That is such a Sam Bowie pick. I've never I I cannot I cannot even begin to describe how terrible a pick that was. The only thing the blueberry has going for it. I mean, and the blueberry is a, is a delicious fruit. I, I I mean, we're we're not even discussing the deliciousness of the blueberry. It's a delicious fruit. The only thing the blueberry has going for it is the fact that there was a cereal called Booberry based on it. That's that's it. That's all it has going for it. It's <laughs> It is it you can't 
you can't do anything with the blueberry. They're too small. There, there's you can't share them. There, there's nothing. You can't share them? No, you. Nobody, hey, can I have a blueberry? Nobody does that. Yes, here is a blueberry. <laughs> what, is, what is wrong with you? They're too small. Share. They're too small to share. The blueberry was a terrible pick. I, 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 I was very, very worried because I did have two choices for the number one. Uh, and I felt like I had to go with the apple. Now I'm going to get both of my choices. This is going to be like the best draft ever because of that. Um, and so my second pick, I don't even have to wait. It's like one of those NFL draft moments where like, as soon as they call the team, you run the card up there. Um, I'm taking the grape and that's, and that's not even close. I mean, the grape is the best fruit. It is the fruit you can make wine out of. I mean, that's that alone, uh, should, should, should crush it. As, as my daughters told me, as when I told them to make my list for this thing, um, it, it's you can make wine for adults and grape juice for kids. I mean, that is a that is an extraordinary versatile fruit, a fruit that can do anything. And grapes are absolutely delicious. Uh, you never see somebody eating a grape and you say to them, hey, can I have a grape? And they would say no. Okay. It's, they would absolutely give you a grape. They, they would, that's what they fed queens. They would feed queens grapes, not blueberries, by the way. So just to be clear though, you can share grapes, but you can't share blueberries. No, no, no. You you can share blueberries. They're too, they're not easy enough to grab. They're too small. They're, they're, that's, this is just they're, my, they're like mostly the same size roughly <laughs> as grapes. They are, well, now wait a minute. You, you might be talking about like a much higher level blueberry than I'm talking about. And maybe in California, you guys have like grape sized blueberries. We have little tiny kind of just little spitball sized blueberries. That's those, basically the kind don't we Don't eat those. Eat the big, juicy, delicious ones. <laughs> we don't, they're not available here. Maybe this is just a, maybe this is just a California maybe this thing. is regional. That's interesting. <laughs> Because we get blueberries and they're and they're delicious. I eat blueberries, um, but all right, they're grape, not grapes. Grape is a great choice. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault you on this. It's a great choice. It, it was my number two choice. Okay. Grapes are amazing. I specifically like red seedless grapes. I, I don't know which ones you're focused on. I agree. I think I think red grapes are are far preferable to green grapes. Although I also like green grapes, but I I I, I as much as I like them, as delicious as they are. They're not like hearty in the same way that that blueberries are. They're not. They don't feel like they're like nourishing you to me. Um, so, and I, I was still going to take them second. Like it's a great pick. I'm not. Uh, I don't want to be overly critical. Um, but for my second pick, I'm going now. I'm going to go off the board here a little bit with a second pick. I'm going watermelon. Yeah. Good now water me. watermelon is is amazing. A, a really good watermelon is to me is essentially the most delicious food you can eat yeah, in some yeah, ways like yeah, it's yeah. it's as a really really ripe juicy watermelon is as delicious to me as like ice cream and i like i i, I know that i'm probably in the minority there but the kind of like overwhelming pleasure that i get from eating watermelon <laughs> is is extremely high and it also is very evocative of like you know barbecues 4th of july summer being outside in a park or something like that it has a lot of really nice associations, I think, with it. It's very American. It's very delicious. It's also very good for you. It has a lot of fiber, stuff like that. So I'm going watermelon number two. Yeah, that's it's a great pick. I, that, that, you've, you've, you've brought your draft back into the realm of, of realistic now. It's, it's, <laughs> we're back in uh, just outstanding for watermelon. And, and your point is exactly right about 
it's you eat a watermelon, you're at a picnic. It doesn't yep. matter where. It's just that you could be eating in your office under like really dingy lights. You're at a picnic if it's good watermelon. Yeah. It's just absolutely delicious. However, let me ask you this question. You brought this up with the grape, which I think is, is a very fair point. Seedless or non-seedless watermelon? I'm fine with the seeds. Like you, when I You eat, are. Yes. When I eat a seedless watermelon, I'm happy that I don't have to deal with this. <laughs> But I also have a little bit of like like nostalgia. I'm fine with the seeds. It's not that big a deal. And also spitting out if you're outside at an actual picnic, spitting out the seeds is kind of a fun like thing to do. I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, like, the yeah. seedless doesn't to me. The seedless watermelon hasn't caused it to suffer at all in taste. I don't know uh, the the seedless watermelons I've had taste essentially the same as the as the regular watermelons. And so for that reason, I'm fine with it. Well, it's it's. It's interesting because I think it does have a much larger effect on the grape. A seeded grape is not very good. No, gross. It's gross. Yeah, I, I don't need it. The seed, the, the the grape is not big enough to to handle the seed. Is the problem? It's like <laughs> it's not worth it. It's like oh god, and you don't know how many seeds there are. There might be like three seeds, and you don't even know. Yeah, the watermelon seed is much easier to find. But I gotta say, I'm I'm definitely a seedless watermelon guy now. At this point in my life, I I. Uh, you know, I feel like it's, I think your point, how did they do it? Where Because it do, it is absolutely taken away 0% of the flavor, I would say, at yeah. taking out the seeds. So I think that someone should update your Wikipedia page and it should, there should be a pull <laughs> quote on it. And the pull quote should be, I'm definitely a seedless watermelon guy at this point in my life. At this point in my life. Absolutely. <laughs> I, there was, there was a time, there yeah. was a time, but not anymore. All right, well, that's a great pick. I'm giving it to you on that one. The reason I chose apple over grape, which I, to me was was just a very, very difficult choice, is because you can't make a grape pie. That was really, I felt like in order to be the number one fruit, you had to be able to make a pie. You did have that with blueberry. So my third pick is, is the cherry, um, largely because there is nothing, very few things, I wouldn't say nothing, very few things that are better than cherry pie. Uh, cherries themselves are delicious. Not a huge fan because that's a giant pit inside that cherry. So I'm not a huge fan of that. But uh, cherry pie, so good. Cherries themselves, very tasty. Um, lots of different things you can do with cherries. And uh, here was sort of the clincher for me. And this was, again, in discussing this with my daughters. If you have a fruit cocktail, like you get one of those little cans or, or, or little packages of this fruit cocktail... That's the fruit you want. You want the cherry. It's like the other ones are like, they're okay. Grapes in there are actually not very good. Uh, pears and the other things. That, you want the cherry and they know it. So they only put like one in there. They, they're, they're very stingy on the cherries in the fruit cocktail because it's such a delicious fruit. So I'm going with cherry with my third pick. Um, it's a terrible pick. <laughs> And uh, for many reasons. Number one, um, I, I this might surprise you. I hate fruit pie of all kinds. Oh, hate my it. gosh. What? Yes, I, 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 I've been very open about this. I've not tried to hide this from anyone. <laughs> I think hot fruit is basically disgusting. I do not like hot fruit in any scenario. And I think that what people think they love but fruit pie is actually the like yummy sugary buttery crust <laughs> and not the actual hot disgusting fruit that's in the middle of it fruit is not supposed to be hot it just isn't and i and i i get hammered for this when i talk about it by everyone 
but I don't like apple pie. I don't like cherry pie. I don't like blueberry pie. I don't like peach pie. I don't like any kind of pie. I think it's disgusting. Wow. And, I, and so to me, the allure of, of, of cherries for their pie making ability, it only hurts its cause. And the other reason that I can't, that I think it's a, it's a bad pick is the maraschino cherry is one of earth's largest abomination. <laughs> It's the most one of the grossest things you can eat in any category in any genre is the maraschino cherry. I, I it makes like if you if you're somewhere and you get someone makes you a cocktail and there's a maraschino cherry in it or a sundae with a maraschino. <laughs> oh god, it's the worst. It's so they're so bad that it it ruins ice cream sundaes for me. Like if you get an ice cream sundae, one of the world's great pleasures, an ice cream sundae, and there's a cherry on the top, a, the, one of those fluorescent pink maraschino cherries. The, like I, I is lightning fast. Remove the cherry from my Sunday. There's still a little like disgusting maraschino cherry juice in the ice cream or the whipped cream, and it it's like I, I can't. I just have to throw it away. Like I, it's, it's too disgusting. So, and I know that's not technically the cherry's fault that someone invented the maraschino cherry and like soaked it in like disgusting sugary brandy or whatever that awful artificial flavor is. You can't actually blame the regular cherry for that. But it still has just ruined cherries for me. Like cherry wouldn't isn't in my top thirty fruits. Like I, I can't describe to you how little I care about cherries. I've tried. I've clearly tried for the last two minutes. I think that entire rant needs to be your Wikipedia page. I think that's <laughs> you. You have said nothing about the cherry and everything about who you are as a person. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Judge me. Judge me all you want. Hot fruit is gross, and I don't think I, I think that I think the, one of the worst things about America is that apple pie is like the thing that we all talk about being American. I think that's so lame because apple pie is disgusting, and I and I don't care who who knows that I believe that it's gross. I, it's I so, can... so much worse, so much worse than like pecan pie. Way better than apple pie. Way better. Sweet potato pie. Way better than apple pie. And please, no one Twitter me and tell me that sweet potato is a fruit. You know what I mean? <laughs> apple pie and blueberry pie and cherry pie are gross. Wow! Wow! <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't even know how to, to respond to such nonsense. I mean, it's like it was like hearing a madman just like go <laughs> off into like crazy town. I mean, it was it was it was beautiful, but it was it was it was mad. The national um, the, the, instead of baseball mom and apple pie, <laughs> it should be baseball mom and peanut butter and jelly or well, baseball mom and watermelon or by the way, mom and blueberries. By the way, cherry, cherry jelly, cherry preserves. Disgusting. Delicious. Oh, delicious. Oh, gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> this is, yep. this is, I've won the draft. There's nobody who's going to listen to that and think that you have any idea what you're talking about. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm persecuted for my unorthodox beliefs. I'm fine with it because I know I'm right. <laughs> All right. My third pick after my rant about, um, you, by the way, you're not going to, no one's going to like any of my choices. And again, I'm fine with that. And I, I'm, again, I'm going off the board and I'm going plum. Plum. That's, Plum. Plums are super underrated. Like a a plum, a really good plum is like mind-blowingly good. And they've now started like crossbreeding and cross-pollinating plums with other fruits. Like have you ever had a pluot? It's a half plum, half apricot. Wow. It's it's even better than a plum. It's the most delicious, <laughs> amazing thing you've ever eaten in your life. And the like a like a there's also like a thousand varieties of plums. Like there's golden plums and there's like deep, like dark maroon plums. There's like hybrid plums. 
and the crazy thing is they're all good like i it's very like the 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 average plum is i think better than the average incarnation of a lot of other fruits um so mostly because it's underrated and i want to give it some exposure <laughs> i'm going i'm going plum number 3 okay that was just a very ridiculous choice i mean it, it's not i'm not saying it's a bad choice because plums are very tasty as are really all fruits almost yeah. Yeah. um and the plum is a very delicious fruit it just it's like picking it's it's like picking i don't even know some third string quarterback and saying ah, that guy's i i'm you know what i'm i'm rambling because i'm so baffled by your plum choice <laughs> um the plum is just a it's just a mediocre fruit that's no, it's, it's that's a, no. yes. It's oh yes unrated. it is i'm telling you go to like a farmer's market or go to like an organic store and find yourself like a really nice, big, meaty, delicious looking plum, you will change your mind. It's it's underrated. That's what I'm saying. You think it's mediocre. It's not. They're amazing. I think they're rated exactly where they should be. That's, <laughs> I just think plums are rated precise. They're one of the few things in this world that everybody has right, except you. They're just, they're fine. They're perfectly fine. I'm not upset with a plum. They didn't do anything with the plum other than plum pudding, which is disgusting okay that's that's Who that's said, disgusting why is, this, why is it a qualification of these fruits that they have to be made into other things <laughs> to be great well first of all it shows the variety of the fruit but secondly it just gives you the fruit from a different perspective and plum like, has chosen the only other perspective that you're going to get is plum pudding and that's disgusting but see that's therein lies the <laughs> disagreement here because in my mind the, all of the kind of different ways that you're saying these fruits can be eaten are gross. Like I, <laughs> like the hot hot fruit in a pie is not appealing to me. So that's why we're that's what that's exactly where we're differing. On that's where we're differing. But that's why I'm having a much better draft than you. So um, with my fourth pick, I cannot believe it's still on the board. Uh, I'm going with the strawberry. Strawberry is a absolutely delicious fruit okay and it's and it's delicious and it like every other fruit though and and by the way i don't know that we have uh said this strongly enough if you get any fruit like just a little bit off its game just a little overripe or a little underripe they they go from the most delicious thing ever to like completely inedible yeah it's like there almost isn't a fruit that's like that 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 like is is strong enough that if it's a little bit overripe it's still tasty no, they're, they're, it has to be, like, exactly right. Uh, but a perfectly ripe strawberry is so delicious. And you can use it in so many different ways. You just throw it in a salad, delicious. It's absolutely delicious. Put it on your cereal, delicious. It's, it does, it works. Strawberry jelly, delicious. Could just anything you do with the strawberry, anything you throw into the strawberry, chocolate-covered strawberries, delicious. You cannot mess up a good strawberry. So, fourth pick, strawberry. It's a good pick. Strawberries are amazing. Chocolate covered strawberries are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know you think I'm kidding. I think chocolate covered strawberries are gross, and I'll tell you why. Why? I think chocolate amazing. Strawberries amazing. But you put them together, it's just two kinds of really sweet things. Like it doesn't. I don't think they're complementary to each other at all. I think it's like a fake dessert. I would rather just eat a strawberry or just eat a piece of chocolate than eat a chocolate-covered strawberry. I, I, I've never understood the obsession with chocolate-covered things that are already good. It doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, well, we as a family will drive hundreds of miles out of our way to get good chocolate-covered strawberries. So Why? Why? 
because they're delicious. That's why they are not. It is not two sweet things. It is two amazing things making something so much better. But like amazing chocolate covered like chocolate like nuts and chocolate makes sense it's sweet and savory right yeah that that's like complementary flavors but sweet and sweet is just too much of sweet it's like i don't I, and the texture isn't especially conducive like chocolate and strawberries have a similar kind of like you know like texture to me and when you have a chocolate that's like smooth and sweet and then a nut that's like crunchy it's complementary but chocolate covered strawberries are just it's just more of it's two different things smushed together. I I, I don't have anything to say to you. I mean I just <laughs> I I appreciate your 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 uh logic on this. Uh you're wrong, but I appreciate it. I, I and, and and I don't want to sound like you're hey, you're just one of those fruit bloggers, you know, in your basement in your pajamas or something, but but you're overthinking the chocolate covered strawberry because First of it all, is delicious. My fruit blog that I do for my mom's basement is read by more than 120 people a year. So before you insult my fruit blog. By the way, I am starting yeah. a fruit blog now. That's it. I am absolutely starting a fruit blog. I'm now I'm just going I'm so revved up. I'm going totally I'm going crazy now. I don't even care. I don't even care who wait, wait, crazier than the plum? Is that what you're telling me? Plums are amazing. Stop <laughs> making fun of plums. I don't care. I'm I'm going. I'm I'm doing this gut. I'm I'm Luke Skywalker, and I'm putting the blast shield down, and I'm <laughs> fire away using the force because I don't even care anymore. I'm choosing the peach number four. How about that? Wow, That's the, the peach. peach. Yeah. Now the, uh, the biggest argument against the peach is that there's such a thing as peach pie, which is disgusting. <laughs> Pe- peaches aren't supposed to be hot. They're not supposed to be baked into things. But just a peach, like a really ripe, delicious peach, is amazing. And there's a lot of really great dishes. Like you said, the strawberry could be put in salads. Totally agree. Good point. Good point for you. Peaches, like fresh peaches and like burrata cheese, amazing. Like peaches in like with like ripe tomatoes, amazing. Peaches are weirdly delicious in other kinds of food. And then by themselves, they're just amazing. So I'm going peach number four. How about that? What do you well, have to say to that, smart guy? <laughs> this is definitely the first personal fruit draft in the yeah, history it's not of the world. Very personal. <laughs> the peach is delicious, and the peach was a much better choice than the plum. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize. The only thing I would say about the peach is not a big fan of that that giant pit in the middle. It makes the peach a little bit more difficult to eat. Um, you but chose the apple as your number one choice. You can do so has, many things a, with the apple. It has a pit that extends from the top of the apple to the bottom of the apple. What are if, you talking about? If, it, if Eve brings a plum to Adam, none of this ever happens. <laughs> the whole world changes. Everything. So you're saying he, he looks at the plum and goes like, nah, I'm good. That's what you're saying happens. She's like, it came from the tree of whatever. It's, it's a nah, plum. I just, I, you know, I, they're good. I don't no, feel like one right now. If he brings Adam an apple pie, he's like, ugh, why would you ruin such a delicious object? Scoop that hot fruit out of there and I'll just eat the crust. That's all I want. That's what happens. The one thing about the peach is, what do you think of the peach? I like this. And so I'm, I'm asking your viewpoint on this. The different texture, because you got like that skin that's kind of like that rough thing. And then you go right yeah. into like the, the smushy inside. What do, what do you think Love- of that? Love it. Love, yeah, I do too. love it. I think do too. it's great. And and also, I personally believe that peaches are actually one of the only fruits that are good, both crunchy and soft. Oh, like I, you know what I mean? Like a crunchy peach. Some people consider that to be unripe, 
but I I still think they they're like if you crunch into a peach and it's like an apple, I still enjoy that. And also if it's really like mushy and like yummy and the juice is very like you know runs down your chin, I also think that's great. I it's every in every direction they're great. Yeah, I like the peach. That's it's a good choice. It's a good fourth pick. I mean we're we're down in the draft now, so. Um... So my fifth pick, I'm going. I'm going to go off the board. Uh, just, just for my f- delicious, just my favorite thing. One of my favorite things in the world, uh, and that's the pineapple. And I don't know that I can really defend the pineapple on a lot of levels. It's just delicious. It's like if you get pineapple again, perfectly ripe pineapple, so good. Just yeah. absolutely so delicious. And you just cut it, and you just and and. You take those little pieces when you go to a breakfast bar and they've got like the strawberries, which are great. And then they got all of those melons, all the honeydews and whatever those things are. And the pineapple, there's always like two pineapples left because nobody's eating any of that other stuff. They're <laughs> going right for the pineapple because it's such a delicious fruit. Uh, it's not a bad pick. Uh, it's, it's, it's the one interesting pick you've made in this entire <laughs> I think it's a good. Uh, you're right. You're all those points are right. Yeah. Pineapples. I think pineapples also underrated. I think it's like it's you. You don't think of it as like in the pantheon of great fruits, right. but it, but a really delicious ripe pineapple can can be pretty mind blowing. So I'm I'm fine with that. Okay. Um, I had as my last possibles. I had pears, which I love. Tangerines, which I think are underrated. Yes. Um, I did not have oranges, which Me is interesting. Either of us chose the orange. But, you know, I find that interesting. Um, I also had uh, bananas, which I think are great. It's the only kind of fruit that has this specific consistency and texture that it has. But I'm going one more time. I'm going to do something that's going to that's gonna blow your mind. <laughs> I'm going raspberry. I love the raspberry. Raspberry is great. Um, I, raspberry jam is my favorite kind of jam to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, and I recently have started eating golden raspberries, which are like, which are really good. Um, and I've, I've been impressed really with what raspberries have been showing me, um, in terms of varieties and, um, and different tastes. Um, and I just think, I just love, I think they go bad really fast. That's a huge knock against like raspberry. The reason raspberry fell so low in the draft, there's a lot of off field concerns. (laughs) And the off-field concerns about the raspberry are like they basically go bad instantly. Like they're they're basically moldy like forty minutes after you buy them. But if you catch them at the right moment, they're they're great. And uh, I, I'm a huge fan. So yeah. raspberry number five. That's a good choice. It's, raspberries are very delicious. They would have been my next pick. Um, I have a secondary raspberry reason that you will not agree with, based on everything else you've said. To me, as as much as we love in our family love and and by the way and the rest of the world love chocolate covered strawberries um oh god chocolate with raspberry sauce oh my gosh is that delicious? oh, oh my no. gosh <laughs> i don't i'm not even arguing with you okay you you we we know where you stand but chocolate uh, a chocolate cake with raspberry sauce is beyond heaven it's oh. it's like it's like the greatest thing on earth. you're literally making me rethink choosing raspberries right that's how that's how disgusting that sounds I just don't understand. I just don't understand. You, it's like you like things, but you don't like them together. I, you know, I have unorthodox beliefs. I'm aware of that. I believe that history will prove me right. I think, in, I think in 500 years, 500 years, when the history of this era is written, 
I will be held up as like a, a like a very forward thinking person who was kind of was like onto this onto these important ideas long before the rest of the world. I think in five hundred years, when somebody's listening to this, which of course they will be, right? It'll be the it'll be the law. You have to listen. <laughs> you have to listen to this. They will be eating chocolate cake with raspberry sauce because it is the like most a, delicious you know, thing ever. Because that'll be a punishment for them. <laughs> Like, like listening to this is not enough of a punishment for them. I mean, that seems like that should do it. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I, and, and you know, you don't want to make too quick a judgments. I, I'm not a fan of like when people call a game an instant classic, that that was our best draft. Maybe. Well, you know what? You know, I'll tell you right now. Let me predict what's going to happen. Pe- when people write, they're going to say that you won this draft. Then they're right. Because you went... You went, you were conservative, and you went for, like, big names. You went for apples and cherries. You went, like, right down the middle. You made the safe choices that, like, you you don't want to be fired, basically, by your owner. You're a GM who didn't want to get fired, and you made the safe choices. I am Bill Belichick. I went went for the best available fruit at every position, and you watch what happens down the line when we're playing these fruits against each other in in the divisional round. You, you you watch you watch how my fruits come through. Okay, first of all, your fruits are not making the playoffs. I mean, there's I won't see you in the divisional round. You will not be around. We'll, um, see. we'll see. And and I'm just saying that that your viewpoint is one. My viewpoint also would be people see the draft and they realize I chose the best fruits, and you kind of did like like when that New York Jets thing happened, where where Mel Kiper said that it's clear the Jets don't know what the draft is about. That's sort of where you went. It's like you ended up with like two or three really good fruits by accident, but but the general thesis of your draft, horrible. We'll see. We'll see, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> we will. We will see. And by the way, when I start my fruit blog, that will be my first entry is just how dominant I was in this draft. <laughs> so there you go. So I, I really believe that everybody walks away from this thing just a little bit smarter than mm-hmm. they did coming in. Would you agree with that? I think that's absolutely true. I think we've done our job here. <laughs> I don't know how we top that. I just don't know that we could do anything more stupid than what we just did for an hour. I, I oh, just we'll, we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> we, it's like humankind. All right. Well, hey, thanks again, as always, for doing this. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll talk soon.